Welcome back to round 13 of the 2023 F1 World Championship season and this week we find ourselves in the stunning and iconic spa circuit in Belgium for the highly anticipated Belgian Grand Prix. The lush Ardennes forest is the breathtaking backdrop for this final race before the summer break. I am Victoria Scanlon and this is Anne Racing. Welcome back, everybody. I cannot wait to do this week's episode. Spa Frankenchamp is like, wow, amazing. What a beautiful circuit. I mean, just to watch it on TV, the sweeping views, the aerial shots, it's a stunner. So let's get into it. Let's start with some of the headlines of this week. So coming out of the headlines, number one, F1 Academy is being backed by F1 teams next year. I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's this little initiative called F1 Academy uh, headed by Susie Wolf. And it gives women and females an opportunity, a space in motorsport. Next year, all of the F1 teams, all 10 of them, are going to be giving some support to the all-female racing series, which made its debut in 2023 with a seven-race season. A newly struck deal with Formula One teams means big changes, including the race weekends that will coincide with F2 and F3 and F1 races. Yes. Also, 10 of the 15 female drivers will be sporting the F1 team liveries. Very exciting. Uh, Big news coming out of the paddock. Otmar Zafnauer is leaving Alpine. The news spread like wildfire this weekend as an unexpected announcement that upon the conclusion of this week's Belgian Grand Prix, the Alpine team principal will be walking away from the French team. Now, in a recent interview on F1's Beyond the Grid podcast, Zafnauer spoke about the team's growth and potential to be fighting for Grand Prix victories in the future, but hinted that he didn't quite see eye-to-eye with the Renault higher management, the higher ups, when building a reasonable timeline for this to happen. So, new money coming into the team can mean significant changes to the factory and research and development, but as we've seen with other teams like Aston Martin, the turnover into a winning team takes time and unfortunately Otmar will not be part of that plan. Next up, grid penalties coming to Verstappen this weekend. We wait with bated breath to find out what kind of grid penalties await the reigning world champion. The Dutch driver received a new gearbox in the back of his RB19 this weekend for a fifth time this season. One more than race regulations allow, giving him an automatic five-spot grid penalty for Sunday's main event. Barring nothing tremendously goes wrong during qualifying and avoiding any other potential penalties, it's expected that he will be starting the Belgian Grand Prix in the front half of the grid. The tire blanket ban has been extended. The much debated and much divided topic of introducing blanketless tires to the F1 regulations has been pushed yet once again. As F1 continues to search for and introduce new ways of making racing more sustainable in an effort to reduce environmental impact, blanket warmers are a hot topic. News broke on Friday that the date has been pushed back yet another year before we take off the blankets. Initial reasoning for this ban was to reduce energy expenditure. As it stands, the ban shouldn't come into effect until the start of the 2026 season, but I won't be holding my breath on this one. 
not a headline, but still good news. It's a spring weekend, so we got lots of racing to look forward to, and ooey, it is looking wet, so lots of excitement. You never know what you're going to get during a wet race. Let's learn about Belgium, shall we? I got my information for the segment from National Geographic. The Kingdom of Belgium, located in the heart of Europe, is a federal parliamentary democracy under a constitutional monarchy. Its capital city, Brussels, is not only the political center of the country, but also serves as the de facto capital of the European Union. With a population of about 11,570,762 people... Belgium is known for its cultural diversity, owning two its official languages of French, Dutch, and German. Yeah, three. Euro is the official currency used in Belgium, and the country covers an approximate 30,528 square kilometers. Now let's put that into perspective. Where I live in Alberta, Canada, Belgium could fit into our province 21 times over. Is it bitty? and very dense by the sounds of it. The capital city is home to the headquarters of the European Union, as mentioned, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, aka NATO, and several other international organizations. The nation declared its independence from the Netherlands in 1830. After a period of German occupation during World War I, the Treaty of Versailles in 1919 restored its sovereignty, but Belgium faced occupation once more during World War II, but this time liberation came with the assistance of the American, British, and Canadian forces. Track history. For this segment, I got my information from the official website of the Circuit Spa Francorchamps, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Please correct me. I'm, I'm happy to learn. All right, here we go. At the end of the First World War, a newspaper owner, a baron, and a race car driver all came together and met at a hotel to put together a plan to revive La Muse Cup, a car race that had been interrupted by World War I. The three men agreed that the three routes of 32, 23, and 440, a triangular pattern, were the perfect arrangement for a new circuit. In 1922, the Royal Automobile Club of Belgium organized its Belgian Grand Prix at Frankenshop, an endurance race for cars, where cars set an average speed of 88.9 kilometers an hour. Hooey, watch them go. In 1939, the construction of a spectacular curve, aka the Red Yang, was constructed. The curve was a steep 17% incline and soon became the most exciting bend on the calendar. After World War II in 1947, racing started again at the grid. Fast forward to 1963 when the first safety rails were installed. Yay, safety! In 1979, the final F1 GP was held at the track after it was deemed too dangerous and impractical. In 2007, the creation of new facilities, in particular the pits, in accordance with FIA standards, was made. There was a budget of 15 million euros 15 million euros put into that project track stats the spa frankenchamp circuit seven kilometers 44 laps total race distance of 308 kilometers 19 turns two drs zones 102 meters of elevation change top speeds of around 315 kph 
home Grand Prix. Well, it's kind of a home Grand Prix for Lando Norris. His mom is Belgian, and so I guess it's kind of a half home Grand Prix for him. We'll count it. I'd like to mention this one tiny thing. I always appreciate the small details, you know? They really go a long way, and one of them this weekend was the helmet of Valtteri Bottas. His helmet was quite the tribute to Belgium. He had images of waffles, beer, fries, etc. And he made a point of distinguishing the two types of waffles. Now, this is something I didn't know. Um, There is a leash waffle, and then there's a Brussels waffle. So they have a particular shape, the liege or leash. I think it's liege. Correct me if I'm wrong if you know. Liege waffle, it's small with rounded edges, kind of like an ego waffle. <laughs> and then the Brussels waffle, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to compare you to an ego waffle. It's just the shape. And then a Brussels waffle is larger and it has a rectangular shape. Moreover, the liege waffle is thicker and contains little clumps of sugar, while the Brussels one is lighter and generally sprinkled with icing sugar. So there you go. Fun little facts about waffles. Mm-mm-mm. All right, let's get to it. So it's a sprint weekend, which means we get one free practice running, and then right away, we are into sprint qualifying, the sprint shootout. So normally what happens in free practice, you go through a series of things. You're looking at correlation. It's a kind of a qualifying practice, long run prep. You get final touches on your car. You fine tune the cooling, the brakes, etc. All that has to happen now in one session instead of three so it is go time not to mention it is so wet out there like I would not wish that on anybody I don't like driving in the rain myself I can't even imagine going 200 plus kph in the rain it's terrifying partway through fp1 news breaks from the FIA that FP1 will not be used as a competitive session so should qualifying not run because of weather We won't be using the times set in FP1 to build the grid. It will go in championship order. Uh, Like I said, a little hairy out there, a little wet, you know, getting used to it. It's a quick track. A couple drivers going off uh, into the runoff, Gasly and Albon notably. Um, Then Sargent clips the wall, bringing out the red flag. And that's pretty much the highlight of FP1 um other than the fans holy moly it's like raining out there ponchos are up umbrellas are up and the fans are just in the stands they are dancing they are having the best time like I feel like Belgian people are just so happy it seems like a very lovely place to live uh with a wonderful quality of life so we could all just move to Belgium one day that'd be lovely wouldn't it uh, rain delay coming our way. Everyone is just, you know, chilling, keeping their heads cool. Uh, it's beautiful still, even in the rain. Belgium is very lush. I did not know this. Um, I mean, I guess I knew it because I've watched the Belgian Grand Prix before, but even in the rain, there's this beautiful, like, clouds just nestled right in between the trees, and it's just so picturesque. It's like it came out of a, a movie. It's truly gorgeous. Um, A little refresher, 
for our sprint shooto again bit of a tweak this year so sq1 we've got 12 minutes on the clock sq2 10 minutes and sq3 8 minutes as I'm watching on F1 TV and we're waiting for the rain to break, uh, we watched a replay of Julian Palmer's 2016 qualifying lap and the differences are notable. Number one, his car is so small compared to the 2023 models. Uh, no halo, which is great, super safe. Uh, and even on a dry lap, he's going slower than the damp laps yesterday. Uh, his lap was good enough for 13th on the grid, and it was nowhere near the fastest times we're going to see now. So it's pretty amazing to think about the change that has happened in just under a decade, the change that's come to the sport, uh, the safety measures that weren't in place even in 2016. I can't believe. I cannot believe. Would you imagine racing without a halo on your car now? No way. That's so dangerous. All right, let's get to it. SQ1, everyone is on the inters. We have the C4, C3, and C2 inters and wets available to us. SQ1, everyone's starting out on the inters. I'm going to fast forward to the last five minutes. And the Alpines have just, yes, just, right now, put in their first time. I'm literally speechless. I'm watching them. I'm just thinking, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Uh, top of the timesheets just keep changing and changing and changing. The times keep improving as the track dries with each lap. Two minutes left, and here's who's sitting in the dropout zone. We've got Norris, Stroll, Sergeant Magnuson, and Hulkenberg. Bad news for Hulkenberg. He makes it across the line, but just mm, misses out by... It was like I had a tiny margin. Like, you could split a hair. He doesn't make it across in time. Puts in no time for SQ1. Automatically starting at the back of the grid. Oh, like, that's just poor team strategy. Like, that's just terrible management. How do you not put in a time? I, again, speechless. Uh, Russell also just barely making it in by a tenth of a second. And that was with a lockup. So, oh. Deep breath, deep sigh of relief um, coming out of the Mercedes garage, I'm sure. Uh, and of course, classic, as we see in most qualifying sessions. At the very last chicane, it's a bit of a parking lot. Everyone slows down and mm, not super safe. I feel like maybe in years to come, we'll see a rule change made here or a regulation change saying that you can't do that um, because it's a recipe for disaster, right? SQ2, uh, Logan has a small spin out, doesn't affect anyone's lap, we're good, uh, three minutes to go, and from the comm box, uh, where I was watching on F1 TV, from the comm box you can hear the tire guns just, <laughs> they are going, all of a sudden, everyone's switching because it's sort of dry but there are kind of wet patches it's a medium tire kind of maybe situation people are going for it and I love it let's take a risk um Stroll goes into the barriers at turn nine and then that's it for him he is down and out both the Williams are out both the Astons and Ricardo out in Q2 
I was kind of bummed about this. I I was really excited for him to come back. This is this is fun, and uh, you know it would have been really nice for him to make it into SQ three because he's very capable. Obviously, it's not an entire loss because he has outqualified his teammate who knows the car much better. But still, he just narrowly missed out. He ended up in eleventh. Uh, SQ three it has dried up significantly. We're out there on the soft tires. Everyone is in the mix. Half of the pack is up on the fastest time. Verstappen clinches that pole position by just 11 thousandths of a second and for the first time ever Oscar Piastri oh my goodness he lands himself on the front row for a sprint race it's not a full Grand Prix it's a sprint race but still I'll take it I'm happy about it he played it cool I feel like he was a little bit more nonchalant about it because yeah there is a bit of a I don't know if other people feel this but I feel that there's a bit of a stigma when it comes to the sprint races like they're not as uh, important or they don't carry as much weight they're not as valuable Uh, your accomplishments in a sprint race aren't as valued as they would be if you were to get on the podium for a full feature race I kind of get it because yeah it's just like a little baby race but still like a time is a time is a time you know you put in one of the fastest laps you're up there with the two-time world champion so be proud be proud Oscar starting grade for the sprint race we have Verstappen on pole Piastri sharing that front row with him two Ferraris in third and fourth Sainz and Leclerc respectively Norris taking fifth Gasly takes sixth Lewis Hamilton in P7 Perez beside him in eighth Ocon in ninth and Russell closing out the back of the front half in 10th back half of the grid we have Ricardo in P11 Albon in 12th Sargent in 13th pretty good qualifying for him Stroll in 14th Alonso 15th Sunoda in 16th Bottas in 17th Magnus in 18th and Joe in 19th closing the back of the grid of course Hulkenberg pulling in no time sprint race time seven kilometers of circuit to get through 15 laps it's our third sprint of the season again we have a rain delay rain rain go away uh yeah it's pouring out there and the drivers are out there ready to go it's just sitting with their umbrellas um I heard over the radio a funny exchange between Total Wolf and George Russell about the rain. It was kind of like weird humor, though. Um, it maybe kind of turned my head to the side and go, hmm, I get it. But I also feel like it sounded like they were given a topic to talk about by a producer of a certain show. Uh, I often wonder because I know Netflix uses some of the radio chatter in the production of the show and so I sometimes wonder if the conversations that they're having is either being a cued by a producer or if the teams are just you know kind of in the habit of doing things like that because of the show I don't know does Netflix operate like that maybe I could see it it's reality so or not actual reality but you know what I mean it's a reality show so there are scripted and like there are definitely moments that are amped up to be bigger than they actually were like I think of the latest season of Drive to Survive and I'm just like oh it just felt so Americanized on steroids 
think of last season when there's that weird team principal meeting and Christian Horner is asking if it's for the cameras or not and that whole situation just felt super scripted uh we'll never know but it just felt weird anyways those are my thoughts okay let's get to it we're finally ready to start the sprint race after a long wait it's gonna be a safety car start and full wets are mandatory uh I was watching one of the helmet cam views, uh, the helmet cam of Lewis Hamilton, and I just thought, like, I would hurl. It is so disorienting and terrifying. You've got so much spray coming at you. I do not know how they do it. It's amazing. I mean, you'd have to know the circuit really well, obviously. You've practiced it, I don't even know how many times, in the sim tons hundreds maybe a lot but still it is scary ah just so brave so brave to go out there and 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 go for it right and compete not just go out there and drive but go out there and be aggressive and be competitive okay so we end up doing four laps with the safety car that means we have 11 laps of racing and because it's so wet it is a rolling start. Right away, it's a split. Half the grid goes in and switches to a different tire. Half the grid stays out. Verstappen is one of them. Uh, Piastri ends up pitting, which was, you know, I think a good decision because he later then takes the lead. And I am over the moon excited for him. I start tearing, literally. I am tearing up in my living room watching this. I'm clapping. I'm wiping the tears from my face. Like, I can't believe. I'm just so thrilled for him to be leading a sprint race a couple notable things happening during the sprint race Alonso goes off the road at turn 11 and clips the wall which deploys a safety car now I love people watching especially people watching um the people in the stands it's so fun and I just had the thought of everyone who brought beautiful cameras with like telescopic lens to take pictures today is not your day you're not gonna get a picture of anything it's like full-on spray coming at you uh yeah terrible day for spectating I, I guess I mean I feel like you'd feel that too right like if even in the grandstands though you're far enough away I think you'd feel that spray from the cars as they go past if you're listening and you've been to a race in wet conditions let me know um, cause it almost reminds me of that ride, the log ride where you're in this like log floating and you go down a track. It's kind of like a roller coaster, but like a wet roller coaster and you land in this big pool of water and you get splashed. I feel like it would be that, <laughs> but for like 15 laps and or a full Grand Prix length. Let me know. How does it feel to be at the race when it's wet? Do you feel the spray? I think you'd feel the spray. Uh, here's how we finish the sprint race. Verstappen takes the win, Piastri on the podium in P2, and Gasly taking the third step. Science takes fourth, Leclerc fifth, Norris sixth, Hamilton seventh, Russell eighth, Ocon ninth, and Ricardo taking tenth. Back half, we have Stroll, Albon, Badass, Magnussen in 14th, Joe in 15th, Sergeant Hulkenberg, Sunoda, Perez, and Alonso, a DNF for him. Let's get into qualifying. Qualifying. Q1. Ricardo. 
oh, tough break for him. Almost made it into SQ3, super, feeling really confident about his abilities, I'd imagine, and then is called for track limits in Q1. Oh, what a tough break. Otherwise, he would have made it in. Q2, we can see that the track is improving. Times are getting quicker. It's getting a little stickier. Uh, six and a half minutes in, and we are over to the slicks, which is great. The rain has seized. Finally, it's been such a wet weekend. Three minutes to go, and Akon is into the wall and keeps going. He's in fifth right now, though, so this might be it for him. L risky. A little scary. Then I just say, oh my goodness, with like five exclamation marks behind. Verstappen. This was such a close call. We already know he has a five grid spot penalty coming to him because of that power unit he took on. He is so late to go out for an outlap and a flying lap in Q2. He oh, just narrowly makes it in to Q3 and over the radio he makes it very clear how mad he is like he owns that team like the response that was given to him by his engineer was pretty much you call the shots max I mean not that all of Red Bull's success is entirely on the shoulders of Max Verstappen but a lot of it is yes it's the team it's the coordination of the team it's the car, but the driver's a big part of that. Like, he is a great driver. And so when he got mad over the radio, it was like, Wacha! you could just hear the crack of the whip and the team was like, yes, Max. Whoa. Anyways, he makes it into Q3, um, but just narrowly. And I think that put a fire in his belly to really knock it out of the park because he did he sure did starting grid for sunday's grand prix we have leclerc on pole perez in p2 hamilton p3 science p4 piastri p5 and verstappen in p6 after taking that five place grid penalty norris p7 russell in eighth alonso starting ninth and stroll starting 10th back half of the grid we have yuki sonoda in 11th gasly 12th badass 13th akon 14th albon 15th magnuson starting 16th after taking a three place grid penalty joe starting in 17th sergeant 18th 19th for ricardo and hulkenberg once again at the back of the grid in p20 all right, my podium prediction. So yes, Verstappen is starting in sixth, but we've seen him win races from further back. So of course, I'm going to say it's going to be a Verstappen win. I think we're going to have a Perez second, and I'm predicting a Leclerc third. I'm really feeling hopeful for Leclerc this weekend. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a Ferrari on the podium, and I, for one, would like to see it. A little bit of change. Race time. Talking through a couple of highlights for me. Number one is the Piastri narrative. Right off the hop, turn one, Piastri and Science have contact that results in damage for both drivers. Then Piastri on lap two goes through the gravel trap and retires the car. And that is the narrative. That's the Piastri narrative. It was a one lap, two lap, done. I just, ugh. 
it sucks. It sucks because he had a great showing on Saturday during the sprint race, right? He started on the front row of the Verstappen. He finished on the podium. And then here he is today, can't even make it past two laps of the race. So really unfortunate for him. Um, but this is it, right? You're going into the summer break. You're going to brush it off your shoulders, take a big sigh of relief, collect yourself and come back bigger and better for the Dutch Grand Prix. The other highlight of the race for me was Verstappen. Of course, starting in P6, he has to work his way up the ranks. And so he does. One by one, he is plucking off the drivers. He is so efficient at passing. Watching Verstappen overtake is one of the most exciting things because it's like a shark hunting down its prey. He just, you know, slowly approaches, gains and gains and gains. He's so strategic. Of course, he makes his way to the front of the grid where he stays for the remainder of the race. But there was one little moment on lap 21 whoa, going through Radeon Corner and he almost loses it. They showed a replay of this little event that almost sent our world champion off the track and almost lost him the race. To me, it looked like nothing, but what do I know? The commentators, though, whoa, I think it was Julian Palmer and Alex Jakes. It was definitely Alex. I'm pretty sure Julian was there as well. Their reaction made it very clear to me the levity of the situation they were so taken aback both of them you just hear them go whoa like it was obviously a major event um that could have been catastrophic for him and totally ruined his winning streak um so very close call for Verstappen there on lap 21 holds it together ends up taking the race which is great the other storyline I have the other highlight I have from the race was the weather it was so funny because the circuit covers so much area right seven kilometers in total distance and in one part of the track it could be pissing rain and the other it could be totally fine so as you're watching the different shots uh, you can see in certain parts of the track the umbrellas start to go up the ponchos start to go on And this was so funny to me. It was almost comical how it ebbed and flowed so much during the race. So I just really enjoyed that. The weather really played a role in this weekend's race and it made for a very exciting result. Here's how we finished the Grand Prix. Verstappen taking the race win again. We do have a Paris second and a Leclerc third. What? Yes, my podium prediction is correct. <clears throat> I love it when I'm right. Um, doesn't happen often, so whew, I'm gonna take this one. Then we have Hamilton in fourth. Really great result for him. Alonso fifth, Russell sixth, Norris seventh, Ocon eighth, Stroll ninth, and Tsunoda taking away points in tenth. Good job, Yuki. Right behind him, we have Gasly in 11th, Bottas 12th, Joe 13th, Albon 14th, Magnus in 15th, Ricardo in 16th, Sargent 17th, and Hulkenberg in 18th. We had two DNFs. Piastri and Zainz both retired from the race after that contact, resulting in damage in turn one on lap one.
driver standings, not a whole lot of movement this week, but Verstappen continuing to drive ahead of the pack, walking away with a total of 314 points at the end of this weekend. Ferrari drivers Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz have a little switcheroo in the standings. Leclerc moving up one position to sixth and Sainz being bumped down one to seventh. Otherwise, no movement amongst the grid. In terms of the constructors' standings, Red Bull dominance continues. A whopping 583 points for the team as they walk away into the summer break. And again, a little bit of movement in the constructors. We have Aston Martin moving into third and Ferrari moving down one position into fourth. Let's rate this race. Oh, spa. I mean, I love it for its beauty. It is gorgeous it's a beautiful track to look at the rise and fall of the circuit in the valley is just stunning and I can imagine it feels incredible to drive here oh like the feeling of being pressed into your seat probably is amazing probably very exhausting and challenging but really cool um like I said earlier the fans they're just a awesome they were so happy they're jumping they're they're having drinks they're just like it was a total vibe uh belgium seems super cool um i loved the element of the weather this weekend the rain really playing on teams making it a little bit more challenging um and unpredictable which is always fun so i'm gonna give this race a solid seven out of ten it was a good time. Thank you, Spa. Thank you for a wonderful weekend. And I'd also say that it was a great weekend because Spa is a notoriously dangerous track. There have been a number of deaths at the Spa Frankenjump circuit, uh, notably a Dutch teenager in the Formula Regional European Championships died just a few weeks prior to the event. Um, and so we're really lucky that everyone walked away without any harm this weekend. So that's awesome. Time for super fan of the weekend. Okay, <laughs> this was great. Sometimes I watch the races and I'm like, where are all the people? Um, I mean, people are always repping team gear, team merch. That's super. But, you know, I'm a real aficionado for the costumes. I love a little bit of fancy dress. So this weekend was superb for that. Uh, we had a couple of people to shout out. I saw a sign during the sprint race that said 2024 Gunther on the grid and they had photoshopped Gunther's face onto a driver's body wearing <laughs> the Haas uniform and I thought that was very good. A plus for creativity. I mean and this was like a legitimate sign like they had this printed it was very nice uh, so that was great. In the live feed, when they showed these people with the flag, they then cut to Gunther, and he was having a good chuckle, so he appreciated it. We all did. Our super fan of the weekend, however, um, wow, what a costume this man had. Uh, I spotted him during the sprint shootout, and it was, what's the word I want to use? It was campy and a little bit controversial. Our super fan of the weekend goes to, drumroll please, the Pope. That's right. There was a man fully dressed as the Pope, but 
Ferrari, the Ferrari Pope. This man was dressed head to toe in papal garb. Papal garb? Papal garb. You know what I'm trying to say. He had the hat, the tall pointy one. He had the scarf. He had a cross around his neck. And it was all in Ferrari colors. I can't even. Um, On the hat, it's a beautiful hat. Bright Ferrari red with a gold trim. And it looks like it's almost um, embellished with like rhinestones or something. Then at the top, you have a tiny little Italian flag. And smack dab on the front is the Scuderia Ferrari logo. Um, The scarf is a beautiful, shiny gold. And on either side of his chest, again, the logo. And down the sides of the scarf, he has... Saints on one side and Leclerc on the other. He is wearing a giant gold cross around his neck uh, and underneath he's in all black. He really stands out because it looks like he's in some sort of like VIP section because everyone around him is very, you know, business casual, kind of corporate. And then there's this guy, which is just amazing. Like, you know, he's a fan. Like, there's no doubt that this guy loves Formula One and loves Ferrari. He's not just here for a good time. He is here to give his blessing to the SF23s and hope that we see a Ferrari on the podium. And hey, it worked. Leclerc made it there in third. So hats off to you, Ferrari Pope. You are our super fan of the weekend. What did I learn this weekend? So in doing a little bit of research for the episode... I found out that Eau Rouge and Radion Corner are different things. So this is news to me. You're probably rolling your eyes and being like, oh my gosh, she didn't know. Um, Yeah, no, I didn't because I'm an F1 baby and that's okay. We all start somewhere. So that big sweep, if you look at the circuit, you'll know it. You'll see a picture and you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that turn. Eau Rouge is a tiny little left-hander before you go into Radion, which is that, or Radion, Radion, it's French. Um, It's that big upward slope. And yeah, I didn't know they were two different things. I thought people just called Radion Eau Rouge, but no, they're separate. So that's what I learned this weekend. So now I feel a little bit more wise and a little bit smarter. And so going into next year's Belgian Grand Prix, I'll have that extra little tidbit of knowledge my closing thoughts uh here we go into the summer break so we have a little bit of a hiatus uh I'm gonna see how it feels I remember prior to the start of the 2023 season that gap of time between 2022 and 2023 felt long like super long and when the 2023 season kicked off it was a noticeable change in my body like all of a sudden I felt revived and I know I'm not alone in that I know there are people out there that also feel that that when race weekends go away and we're on a break there's this little feeling it just changes you feel different um and so I'm gonna see I'm gonna test it out with the summer break this year see how I feel if I you know really miss my weekend rituals of waking up early, putting on the race, getting all cozy and settled in. Um, So we'll see how it goes. 
I'm also really excited for the prospect of Max Verstappen setting a new world record. This weekend was his eighth consecutive win uh, of a Grand Prix, which has only been done, mm, I might have this wrong, I want to say twice before? Twice? If you're an avid F1 fan, you know that Sebastian Vettel holds the record right now for all-time consecutive wins of nine. So if when we come back, Max wins his home GP, he'll match that record, and then it's just one more, and then he's made a whole new F1 world record. I mean, I say just one more, but for Max Verstappen, it really is just one more. You know, for anyone else, it would be an incredible feat. And not to say that it's not for him. I don't want to diminish his accomplishments, but he is so wickedly consistent that it seems highly probable that we'd be looking at a new record being set when we come back from the summer break. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for joining me. You can catch me, of course, on Instagram at AWR underscore pod. And you can find me anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you when we come back from the summer break and resume the 2023 season. Thanks so much. Bye.